Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Enhancing the Human Experience, the podcast designed to help you get the most out of your business and your life. I'm really excited today. Uh, a good friend of ours introduced me to Mike O'Leary, and Mike is a businessman, a self-made millionaire, an author, and a ve- has a very colorful past and a lot of wisdom inside of him. And our good friend, a mutual friend, introduced me to him and has set up this interview, and I'm really excited. Mike, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, and I'm very proud to be uh, uh, in this position right now. I started out about uh, 89 years ago. I'll be 90 uh, next next year. I'll be 90 years old, and I've learned a lot along this path. And I've vowed to myself to learn and also to work, to work hard. And uh, I'm going to write a book someday about how to become a millionaire for minimum wage. I'd love to see it. And this is very, very, very simple. It's it's real. It's accurate. And uh, I've been very careful uh, to to become who I am today. Yeah. Uh, it's been a hard, a hard, long tra- trail, but I, uh, I'm happy with it. I, I've done what I promised to do as a boy. And when I was a boy, I promised to my mama well, when she first found me. When I was 14 years old, I, 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 I lost her. Mm-hmm. She had to leave uh, the depths of the depression. She couldn't take care of me, so she left me with my grandparents. Talk about that when you, you, sh- you shared a little bit of your story with, your, with how your mama came back and found yes. you. Talk about uh, your, your childhood growing up and give us a sense of what, how you grew up in as a kid and your mama well, found you. Well, when mama had to leave me with my grandparents and uh, I longed for her. I wondered why my mama wasn't with me. Uh, my grandparents held me and, and uh, nurtured me and took care of me for six years uh, from, a t- from an infant child. But I do remember my mama leaving me uh, with uh, daycare centers. And uh, I was very disturbed. I just was, I, I'd scream bloody murder when she'd take me into a daycare. And I was less than a year old. And I remember that just as clear as yesterday. But uh, that's, I remember a lot of things in life that most people don't remember. But uh, I remember when I was born, and people say that that's ridiculous. No, I do remember when I was born. You do? I had a little spot. There was a little spot of light, and that little spot of light kept growing, and it grew and grew and grew until it consumed me, that light, and it scared the living daylights out of me. So uh, I went on with for, for years wondering what that dream what that? What is that dream? That was me coming into life. Really? As a baby, yes. And I remember that. So uh, I believe light is life and dark is death. And uh, there's many things in, in, that I've studied and learned that the black holes in the universe are death. There's negative. There's no life in a black hole. And uh, I believe that when my light will go out, my light someday now in the near future will go out, but I'm looking forward to come back again. My, my life will come back in the light it, again. It, it's a cycle. Everything in life is a cycle. It comes and goes. It, everything is a cycle. The women have their cycle and men have theirs. So anyway, uh, as a boy, I, I went to the ranch and uh, they took me to the ranch. And I grew up there, and my aunt was a, a good Catholic Christian. Uh, she, I, she was like grandma, but she was my grandpa's sister. And so I, they were my grandparents. And every Sunday, without failure, we went to church. And I had to listen to the Catholic Domina Secular Amen and Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us there's not our death. I could recite it. And he speak Latin, but I can't speak it. I can't recite that because I didn't know what he was mumbling about. Yeah. But anyway, it, it didn't mean much to me other than the fact that it was decent. They were good people. They they were kind and loving people. Now, this is, is this your father's this family is, or your this mom's? Is, this is my father's sister. Okay. And his and his father, his father, my grandpa. And uh, it, it was an interesting time. Uh, I spent six years, almost seven years there. They left me there until I was a school age time. And so I went from a Christian life to an atheist life. And my father was a communist, card carrying atheist. And uh, he believed in Karl Marx and the dialectic. And he preached it every day, uh, scripts from the Bible, from the, uh, the, the communist uh, 
what do you the call manifesto? it? The manifesto? Manifesto, yes. And so uh, even after I grew up, it, that remained in my head, and the, and the Christian thing remained in my head. And I favored the Christian people. I just felt that they were more positive than negative. And I believe uh, since I, uh, I got a job as an electrician with the Southern California Edison Company in California, and I learned a lot about electricity. And uh, I know that uh, you can't complete a circuit without a positive and a negative. And uh, we are uh, actually electrical system, the human being. So uh, we have a positive and negative also. And we live off of that. And uh, the song says, our seam thong says, well, you've got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, not mess with the best or in between. Well, that's a good idea. That was a good song. It mean, it's close, but it's not accurate. You can't do away with the negative. You can't eliminate it. It's going to hang around with you whether you like it or not. I've heard that and before. And it's going to yeah. drive you right up the tree, but you've got to learn to control it. And if you don't, it'll destroy you. And that's where we are in this country. We're practicing and playing too much with the negative and we're giving it too much rope because it's going to hang us. Yeah. Well, it seems yeah. like that's almost the, the history of the human condition is that cycling to from positive well, to negative, from positive to negative, yes. crashing and rebirth. And, and it takes countries down. It took Japan down. It took Germany down. That's what made us a great country, taking those people down because they were from of the devil. And it's a figure speech, but it's accurate. It, yeah. it's, it's, you could take it as truth if you want to. Or you could just take it as it's there and we can't change it. So the Roman Empire failed because of sodomy, which is infidelity. And uh, that took the Roman Empire down and, and corruption. And we're, we're following the same footsteps. We really are. You know, and that's just, I, I look at that as just like the... the the, the bad within us, like you yeah. said, you water the it's good the seed or the bad seed, the it's positive a, yeah, or the negative. Right. But we want to drift away from that. We want to concentrate more on the positive. And if we're going to use the negative, let it enhance the positive, not destroy it. That's important. That's extremely important. If you have to use the negative, I was a boxer and uh, I never was mean about it. We, we, it was a sport. And I never uh, hurt people if I knock them down. I, I wouldn't uh, just uh, want to kick them or hurt them. I'd help them up, you know. And I've, I've fought with many men that, that would beg me to take it easy, Mike. Don't, and, and I was a cha we were champions, my brother. Yeah, I read that in your book here. We were, we were champions. We fought through the, all, all through the United States. In the Midwest, brother was a professional champion, Patty O'Leary. Uh, I, I was an amateur. I never made it to pros, and I'm glad I didn't because my brains are damaged enough. <laughs> you know, and, and I think maybe a blow to the head sometimes helps people. Yeah, <laughs> kind of <laughs> That's a disconnect, true. and then you Reboot. can reconnect. Uh -huh. Reconnect, and, yeah. You know, so uh, I try to reconnect properly instead of uh, having all this negative stuff take me down. I want to. I want to go up in life. I want to keep the positive in control. I want to keep the negative under control. And I don't want things to get out of control. And yeah. I, hard, I, I work hard for that. I, many times, uh, when I was a boy and I had to leave the ranch and go to, uh, to live with my father and live with a, a bunch of communists, uh, I got upset because they're mean. Talk about and, that. Uh, talk about that experience. So were you seven? You say you were seven? About seven went? years old. I just started uh, kindergarten late. And I hated it. I just I had to wear knicker pants and and school my clothes. Legs. You mean you hated? The I conformity? used to wear my overhauls on the ranch. Yeah. And now I'm going to school. I got to go looking like a sissy, and I didn't like that. <laughs> and I didn't like school. I didn't want to be there. So I just run. I just run away. And they got to where they grabbed me when I went out the door, and I just grabbed me and swing me in, in the you air. You're a free spirit. And they turned me right around, sent me back in class again. How many? How long did it take before you finally said, "All right, I'll conform here"? I don't know. It must take us half a dozen times of them catching me and making me go back into class and sit down and behave myself. But it wasn't easy. I, I, I finally, I finally conformed, but I never did well in school. I didn't want to be there. Not clear. I stuck it out till high school. I was 20 years old by the time I could get a get a, a diploma. Okay. But I had to go to summer school. I had to struggle. 
primarily primarily because I was hit in the head so many times. Yeah. From the boxing thing. Yeah. Oh, and so you boxed as a young. When did you start boxing? In uh, from a child. Oh, really? So we, just a we small had boy. the gloves. We were taught to fight when we were. My father t- has told us as a communist. He said we live in a jungle, and to survive in a jungle, you got to be fit. It's survival of the fittest. That's part of the communist manifesto. Yeah. And uh, he yapped that uh, constantly. So uh, he put us in the ring. And his mistake was he put me in the ring with men as a boy. I remember fighting a man when I was 12 years old. You're kidding. And he knocked my brains out. All I can remember is stars. And, and this affected me when I was in school. I didn't have the memory. I still don't have the memory that a normal person has. My sister was never hit in the head the way I was. And she went on to be a college professor. And she'd have done well on that TV show that they've got. What's the name the of Jeopardy? it? Jeopardy, yes. She would have been a, a whiz on that show. But I, I can't. I answer maybe two out of each. I can answer maybe two out of the whole series of questions. I'm a complete dummy. When it comes so your father to. just said, here, here, trial by fire, get in there and... You get and in there and battle. Burn. And I, I, uh, I, I was fighting with my brothers. We were fighting together. And I, I asked my dad, I says, why are, you, why are you letting us fight together this way? Why, why don't we, we be peaceful with each other? Why do we have to fight each other? He says, because as long as you're fighting, you're staying off my back. Oh, so he was more of an get, getting you out of the way for him. That to do was his that stuff. was tying us up where he would we wouldn't. So my brothers and I we we plotted to kill him. Did you? Yes. He was my, a bad guy. Like I said, my I read brother a Pat, lot about the you. boxer, and I we plotted. We were sparring partners and fought all the time, but we did it out of arneriness and out of fun and out of just spite. Yeah, brothers fight like that, but he encouraged that sort of stuff. Yes, he did. Like. He come home one day from work with his uniform. He was a guard for the government. He come home, and he saw us fighting in the yard, me and Pat. Pat and I. Well, anyway, yeah, we, we battered, beat on, we were beating on each other. We were totally exhausted when he finally come home. We, we couldn't hardly hold our arms up. So we just stopped and put our arms down and tongues hanging out, panting. And he got up on the porch and looked back, and he says, what'd you quit for? Because we were tired. We didn't want to fight anymore. He says, go on, keep fighting, get it out of your system. And he walked back and went in the house. So we, we just decided to quit. We just decided, well, we, we were neither one of us are going to win this fight. Yeah. Because I can't knock him out. He can't knock me out. So so he so, so he, he just quit. He just kind of gave it up. So that was one of the childhood things is is, is is my life with my parents. And and I didn't feel bad at all when mama, my mama showed up and, and, and asked me to go with her. So, so from California. seven, from seven to what? Seven time to did you 14. live with your dad? Seven to fourteen. I spent with your seven dad. years with my father, and it sounds like it wasn't a pleasant is, experience. Uh-huh. Was, it, was it all un, unpleasant, or were no, there? no, no, no? We had a lot of good times together. Okay, and we used to box the exhibition bouts in Washington D.C. Oh, really? And my brothers and I were the champions, so we were the better fighters. So we were on the ticket. You know, we were doing the boxing, and and during the depression, the tail end of it. We were treated ro- like royalty, and we loved it, and it was fun. I bet. We got to stuff our tummies full, you know, because they had goodies, you know. When we were, and food was hard to come by in those days, back back in the late '30s. I can imagine in the, in the early '40s before the war, uh, food was hard to come by. And my father had nine children, and he uh, he kept himself in poverty. And, and then he, 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 he went to the government for help because uh, he, he thought President Roosevelt was great, a wonder, wonderful man. I'm sure. Well, he started the welfare system. Yeah. Roosevelt started the welfare yeah, system. I know. And now it's blown completely out of control. Yeah. Now it's just, he it, it just created parasites and, and, and people are just mooching freeloaders off of the government. Yeah. And our system is just spoiled rotten. It really with is. so you know. many, many people that are living off of the federal government. Yeah. Uh, we need to get the lead out. Look at all these fires we're having. Well, get those prisoners up there that we've got, these lazy bums that are on welfare. Get them out clean up our forests. Let's get this brush and this trash and stuff out of there. Oh, no, don't do that. It, it disturbs the habitat. Ridiculous. 
What do you think fires do to the habitat? There's nothing left but charred wood. And look at the lumber we're losing in these forest fires. This is insanity. Yeah. This is, this is not only stupid, it's too insanity. I want to write a book, Stupid to Insanity. <laughs> That's and this a great is one title. <laughs> this is one of them. Yeah. This is one of the cases. And, and we were legalizing too much negatives. Too many negatives are being We legal. really are. The snowball is kind of growing oh, and growing. It's terrible. Mm -hmm. Look at they're trying to legalize drugs. They're putting, the method, they're putting all kinds of drugs in our medications. They're turning people into drug addicts. Yeah. And, and, and divide and control. The, the, these crazy unions that are out there that are communist affiliated. I'm not going to name them because I don't want them to put a hit out on me. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so They're so powerful. From, they are. <laughs> so from 7 to 14, you're with your dad. So it sounds like he taught you some positive stuff too. He was not only, listen, he knew right from wrong. He, he, he would argue, you know, that there was no God or there's no right or wrong. And he asked me one day, do you believe in God? And I hesitated. And I said, I was about to stick my neck in that noose. He said, do you believe in God? When I was a young man, I was probably eight, 17, 16, 18, long enough to talk back. But, but I said, I hesitate to say anything. But he, uh, he says to me, do you believe in God? I says, let me ask you, you ask me a question. Let me ask you a question. And your answer will be answer my question. Do you, do your question to me. So you answer my question. Now, I knew he believed in this word. So I hit him with it. I says, do you believe in the word good? And he always, when we did the right thing and a good thing, he said, good boy, good boy. And I was going to bring that up. I says, do you believe in the word good? He says, yes, I believe in the word good. I says, Pop, just take a zero and drop it out of that word good. Just drop one zero out, push it together. You got the word God. Just leave it at that. Let's let it forget about it. Let's forget it. Leave it there. He just walked away. He really? kind of kind of mumbled, "Smart Alec" or something like that. So, so you had a sense that he didn't know right from wrong, good for bad. Oh, he did definitely. He knew right from absolutely. He told us not to smoke. Do not smoke. He puffed on a cigarette all day long, one off of the other. Never lit a cigarette only once during the day, and he smoked off of that cigarette. One cigarette off the other. Wow! All day long, he had a cigarette in his hand and a can of beer in the other hand. Wow! All day long, and, and, and at the end of the day, he was a drunk. He couldn't hardly stand up. Oh, I'll bet. And he's meaner than a snake. He knew right from wrong. He wouldn't let us do it because you won't be at your best in that ring. You've got to be at your best, or you're going to get whipped. He says you've got you don't waste any energy. You wouldn't even let us involve ourselves when we got older in sex. He says you leave that sex alone because that's going to drain you of some of your strength. You're going to need every ounce of strength in that ring. No cigarettes, uh, no alcohol, and no sex. So you get in that ring. I want you to be in your top shape. And he made us run for miles. We lived in Denver. We had to run up and back and forth to look out mountain. We run up that mountain. To, to get endurance, to get that ring and, and bang away for, for three minutes, uh, uh, for, for three, three rounds in an amateur, and uh, five to ten rounds in the, in the pro, yeah. pro fighting. So you were traveling, if you're back in D.C. fighting, you were traveling from Denver all around the country? Fighting? Well, we, we started out. We started out in, 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 in the Midwest. We were Midwestern people. I was born in Omaha. And my grandfather was in Colorado, just north of Denver. And uh, Pop got a job uh, on the East Coast in the Brewer Engraving and Printing as a guard uh, for the government because he begged uh, President Roosevelt to give him a job because he was starving, his family was starving, and uh, they needed clothes. They didn't, couldn't buy him clothes. And we'd go to the relief station after uh, uh, Roosevelt started the relief programs, and he'd have us cry. And he'd have us in rags, and he'd say, "We tell them you're hungry and, and you need clothes. So we went home with our arms loaded with blankets and clothes, and, and we got from, from a relief, from the relief station that Roosevelt started. Yeah. So uh, it was a, a, to the president of the, the administration gave him a job in Washington, D.C., 
And uh, but they didn't know that he was a card-carrying communist. So he'd been a card-carrying communist for for, for all quite, his life. Oh, he was since all a boy. his life. He had an uncle, or the, the, the great uncle of mine, or something, that uh, took him in, under his arm, and, and he was a communist. One of the one of his families. Yeah. Now, so, was that in the era of the of the McCarthy era when they yes, were? Yes, absolutely. He went to work at at the Bureau of Graving and Printing in Washington. And we stayed there for a few years, uh, and we we lived in Maryland, and we picked wild grapes and wild strawberries and and killed snakes and along the Potomac River, and uh, then he got a transfer because he wanted to be close to his father's ranch, which is three sections, north of Denver, and so he got a transfer back to Denver. So we were fighting all through this, and then I moved to California. And then I was boxing in San Francisco at the Brown Palace Hotel, and I got knocked out there. <laughs> Did you? I'm not ashamed of it. I got knocked out of my backside. But I got back up, and I was all right. But uh, I didn't win all my fights. But, I but won, you obviously were I pretty won good. most of them. I won the important ones. Yeah. And I've, lo- I've lost a few. But right. uh, you're, you're not going to be much of a person if you don't go through life. You win from your There's losses. There's always someone bigger, you learn meaner, from and losses. tougher, right? <laughs> that, that, the lear, learning comes from losing. Yeah. And you, if you don't lose once in a while, you're not going to learn much. So so he, uh, I want you to t- tell your story of, of when your mom found you, because that's a great story. So at 14, you, where were you living when? I was in Denver, and I was a street kid, and I'd been stealing downtown. She caught me when she met me, and uh, she didn't know it. I didn't tell her that I was a little thief, and uh, that was the way I was taught, from each according to his ability to each according to his deed. That's stealing. That's taking from those that have it, giving to those that have not. Uh, Boo-hoo-hoo. I'm not going to buy into that. If I work for it, it's mine. This is a country of ownership. We don't live in a country that you own everything that I own. That's ridiculous. That's socialism. Level the playing field, baloney. Take that and go south with it. Or go back to Germany or Russia or someplace else with it. This this country is America, and we work for what we own. And I, I've got a lot of junk, but it's valuable. I'm an antique dealer. Are you? I, I, was, I, I become an auctioneer later in life. Because when I was a boy, I had to go to the auctions with my grandpa. And I'd sit there listening to them. And I had to listen to all that. I said, man, that date. I want to do that when I get big. When I grow up, I'm going to be an auctioneer. And then by golly, I did. When That's I grew awesome. up, I, I just, I just when I bought me a little piece of property, a little piece of commercial property, started auction business. And it was fun. It was, it, it was great. I fulfilled 20 years. I spent 20 years. Uh, blab it off of my big mouth. Yeah, I did I good. It. I could sell like uh, good shape. I bet you could. I, could get, I don't know what you're getting in for. And we're 25 now, 39, high down the middle, mid enough. I get right here. What you could. <laughs> anyway, it was fun. I, I enjoyed it, and and I stuck with it for a long, long time. But uh, it 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 got tiresome after a while. I bet. It, you, you know, just to, to, to use your lungs all day long. Uh, I can't do it anymore. Oh, I can I, imagine I, it's very energetic. Well, I get cramps. My lungs actually get cramps in them. Do they really? The muscles in my chest get cramps. So I can I can sell for a few minutes, and then I get or I give an auctioneer relief. But to stand there and sell all day long like I used to. Yeah. Uh, I was a young fellow then. So so fourteen, your your mom finds you. You're in the streets. You're causing. Sounds like you're up to no good. Well, she told me if if I take you home, if I take you home with me, and you meet your new dad, and it was her her new husband, and he was an engineer, electrical engineer, and I learned a lot from him, and uh, he helped me a lot in life. And if it wasn't for him, he gave me the seed money to buy a piece of property right now that I own, that is worth probably a million dollars. Is that in Boise here? Yes. Okay, uh-huh. great. It's a story. I turned it into a storage business. But I've bought and sold a lot of properties before that one. And uh, they told my mama says, now, you promised me if I take you that you'll be a better person and you'll you'll try to get ahead in life. And that stuck with me. That's And it's still with me. Because you, you, you hadn't seen her from, from zero, uh, like 0 to 14? I, I had never seen her from 0 to 14. 
but you knew when she came, you'd seen pictures and. Well, not really. I didn't see many pictures of oh, her. So you didn't I really pictures. know her I got at pictures all. of her then. After that, later, yes. But I had no contact with her ever from from uh, from the time I was born until I was fourteen. So and she so she finds you here in the street. She finds me in the street, walked up to me like a stranger. It says, "I bet I know who you are." And she's a beautiful lady, just a beautiful person. She's a blonde, Swede, blue-eyed. Now, that's another thing that is different that, that I had to go through and battle with. I was not an Irish, German-Irish. I was a Swede. I was my mama's kid. And I was blonde and blue-eyed like her. And the rest of them were all black Irish. They had dark hair, dark eyes. And I was an outsider. And I was treated like a, like a stranger, like a, a foreigner. And, and, and I took blows to the, uh, they slapped me every time. I had to duck when I went around through the family. Oh, so just within your family you were? I was an enemy. I was the enemy of the family. They were jealous of me because I was healthy. I, I drank milk and they were all bones and skinny because they were starving, you know. And so I was healthy and husky and, 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 and good looking, nice looking, filled out. And they were skinny. They were all emaciated. Uh, uh, yeah. And they didn't like me because I didn't belong with that family. I was an outsider, an intruder into that family. So uh, I had to adjust. And I had to just take what they dished out. And I was, at that time, I was the youngest until my father remarried. And so I had to live with two families my own family and my mother, my stepmother's family. Now they're all still living, but they don't have anything to do with me because they're jealous of me. Sure. And my own family's gone. They all they all passed away. Oh, so you're the your brother. I'm the and only your one sister. left from the original family. Okay, the only one. And so you, so you lived with your mom for from 14 till when you probably left home, right? 20 years old. 20 years old. I, I moved in with Mama when I first married. My what she first teach marriage. you? What what you know? You said your your dad was a communist. Your mom was a Christian. What, yes. Did did you wipe the slate clean from? Well, obviously, your father taught you some good lessons, but but what did she teach you that contrasted with what your dad taught you? Good life lessons. Well, decency. She didn't like me to run with low life. She called. She come right out and says, "I don't want you to bring a low life in this house." And she caught me one day with a low life in the house. I mean, a, a grubby, dirty mouth, a creepy punk, you know. And, and I was drawn to those people. And it was hard for me to withdraw from them. And to this day, it's hard for me to turn anybody away. Uh, I, I feel for them, you know, I want to help them if I can. And, and I get burned. I, I get burned helping wrong people. But you learn. After a while you learn, you, you, you get a, uh, in your mind, something tells you, if you get a good dog, get a good dog, that dog will tell you. And let that dog know what your principles are and what you want. I've had dogs that wouldn't let certain people in the yard. And it turned out that the dog was right. I have had police officers. Yeah, they have that sense, don't was they? a great friend of mine, and he had a dog. And he said to me, Mike, get you a dog and listen to your dog. Pay attention to that dog. If that dog doesn't let that person into your yard, then don't let the person in your yard. Listen to him. And he was right. A good dog, a good, a smart, intelligent dog will let you know if an individual is contrary to your principles. It, it sounds weird. It sounds no, like. No, I've, I've seen that. But I've seen it. I've seen it over them. and over and over. And I go, and last night my dog was raising cane and I got up and went out and some people were coming in in the dark. And my hours is from nine to six and they were coming in at nine, and 12 hours after I opened. And I asked him, I said, you want me to work 12 hours a day for what little bit of rent you're paying here? I said, I'm not going to do it. You come around here again and you're history yeah. at this time of night. Yeah. And I told him, you're going to be history if you do this again. And they apologized and they took off and left. If you don't tell people where you stand, they'll just walk. You give them an inch, they take a mile. Yeah, people. You've you got to be you careful when you're dealing with people. And they'll respect you for it if you're not too nasty about it. Yeah. So you <laughs> so so you left at twenty and you went out to to start building your fortune and I, I want you to touch on what are some what are some business lessons like you say you've you've yes. been a businessman what, what would you share with yes. people I would like, do you do I, it? 
Uh, very definitely. And there's a little episode that took place when I was a young man. I, I couldn't have been more than eight or nine years old. I used to go into the country uh, when I lived with my father. And I knew my dad, my grandpa was a carpenter. And, uh, and I, I appreciated that. He, he built his own house. He built his own sheds. He put up corral poles. I watched him build. He was a builder. He, he had saws and uh, mostly all hand tools. And uh, by the way, I got some of those hand tools. Oh, I bet. But a lot of them have been stolen from me yeah. because they were good name brand tools and they had good steel in them. But anyway, I, I, I went to the ranch. And what was the question again? Well, I just wanted you to share some of your business knowledge. How yes. you become okay. rich. There, there we go. We'll get back to it again. All right. I knew I wanted to be an auctioneer, but I, I, but I didn't say anything. to. I went back in the country and saw this old man. And he was a recluse. And he was all by himself. And he had some fingers missing. And he was Jewish. We called him Isaacal. And uh, he had an accent. And I still use that accent once in a while. Uh, anyway, he, he uh, we used to visit, and uh, he liked me because I was just a little kid, and I liked him because he was a wise old man. And he says, "Young man, what are you going to do when you grow up?" And I says, "I'm going to be a carpenter." Well, why do you want to be? Because my grandpa's a carpenter. Well, yeah, but you'll make a good living with that. That's an honorable living. But he says, "Could I tell you something? And could you remember it?" And I says, well, sure, go ahead. Learn to buy and sell, and you can own the world. But you could use your carpentry. Go ahead and do your carpenter thing, but in between, buy and sell. I grew up and did just exactly that. That's great advice. I did just exactly that. I was at the auctions on a regular basis because my pop took me to them, my grandpa took me to the auctions, and I says, I grow up, I'm going to be an auctioneer. So I took my advice to be an auctioneer and I mixed it with the old Jewish theory to buy and sell and I become a carpenter. So I carpentered for 25, 30 years. I'm still a carpenter. I still got a set of cabinets to build for, for, for my new uh, residence. I've got to move my wife into a smaller uh, unit oh, you to, mentioned that, yeah. to take care of her because She's come down with arthritis. I'm healthy as a horse. You look at, yeah. And uh, I've got to go ahead and, and finish up this apartment, take her over there, and, and we'll live there where we're making an income. Yeah. Of course, I could sell out everything and, and just sit in a rocking chair and pass away, but I'm yeah. not going to do that. No, you seem, you seem like no. you have very, a lot no. of interest and lots I of I have to. Drive. I've got a lot of things to do in life yet. Yeah, I've, got, I've, got to, I've got to keep using my mind instead of my back. Yeah. And I've got to drift away from the physical things. And that'll be the end of me. I know that, but that's okay. It's, it's the end of all it of happens us to everybody. It happens to everybody. It's right? going to happen to everybody. I'm just losing it physically. Yeah. I don't have the muscle mass that I used to have. It's, it's turned to flab. It happens. It, it just, ha yeah. And, and my, my, my muscles are cords now. And, and there's flab all around it. Yeah. It's terrible. But yeah. I used to have some muscle. I bet you did. I do you, have a little bit of muscle. You and I, like you're a tough And I still kid, have a, a, a heavy bag that I work on. Do you? I sure do. I bet you. And I have fun. I, I enjoy it. And I've got some new tricks and new punches. And I know I wouldn't last long. I'd like to box Laylee uh, Ali. <laughs> I love it. I'd like to set up a boxing match with Laylee Ali. But I'd, I'd, I'd ask her under one condition. That What's she promised that? not to hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> I bet she'd honor that. <laughs> well, I wouldn't hurt her either. I, yeah. I'd play with her. I'd just have fun with her. I, I want to start a, 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 a sport called uh, uh, civilized boxing. Well, what's that? Civilized boxing would be tag boxing. You only tag your opponent. Just you, a light touch. Light you bolt. do not lay, lay into a punch. Okay. You don't throw a knockout punch. If you knock your opponent out, you lose the fight. Have you seen something like no, this before? No, I've never this seen a, a tag invention. boxing, but I would love to start it. Kind of like tag football. Yes. You, you just tag your partner. And then you have a referee that just, just keeps tagging the tags. I like you that You tag idea. him and you tap him. And it would be faster. It would be fun. It would be civilized. And, and it would be educational. Because it would take a lot of science to find openings, make openings, and uh, different angles, different punches, different approach. Yeah. And, and I'd enjoy it. I'd enjoy tag boxing. I've tried to get a couple of people to uh, 
work with me on it, and they won't do it. Yeah, I'd probably, you know, they people. They won't do it. And I, I, I wouldn't do it to hurt people. I'd yeah. do it to teach them, yeah. you know, how to avoid punches, uh, teach them defense. That's the first thing in boxing. You teach defense. Learn the defense first. And I, I tell you the truth, I was a little too defensive in the ring. Uh, I, I like to move backwards. I like to move away from my opponents. I think Muhammad Ali was undoubtedly the greatest fighter. Sure, I've heard All that. times. There's no doubt about it. He did float like a butterfly, and he could sting like a bee. And that's the way the O'Leary's boxed. Is it? We were on the balls of our feet moving. Now, this is where my dad come in. He taught us to be in good shape and box properly, you know, and make a miss, and then look for the openings and counterpunch. And there's all kinds of tricks to it. Uh, don't telegraph. You punch them right where they're sitting, and you throw those punches. They don't see them coming. They don't. I bet. But if you telegraph, you're you're dead. I've been so many fights for 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 people telegraph. They yeah. reach back like a girl. They're going to hit you. You know. Sure. No, no, you don't reach back to throw a punch. Sure. You throw that punch right from where it sits. You so, know, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, beautiful. It, it sounds it's like you. It sounds like you were a kid that were was really open and receptive to knowledge and wisdom. And most kids, it seems like I know I wasn't that way to just soak it all in. I kind of is in my own world. But you're taking advice from the from that that Jewish gentleman. The your old dad. people. I like the old. See, I was raised by old people. My my grandparents ra- raised me to seven, well, or pretty near close to seven. Well, the Catholic Church says, you give me a child till he's seven, and we'll have him. He'll be our child. He'll, he'll be our people. Well, I'm not a Catholic, but, but I, I do appreciate uh, Christianity. Uh-huh. I do appreciate it. This country wouldn't be what it is today without Christianity. No, it really wouldn't. It's, that was the so basis. We've know. got to give Christianity a little credit and uh, support. Yeah. And I'd like to, for them to support me in the principal assembly or the population, because I don't. The only thing I want out of this life is to see to it that we don't lose our democracy. That's what I. That's what I want from life. Yeah. I don't want to see this country go down the tube like the Roman Empire did, and we're headed for there. We are in a rough There's path, too Charlie. many infidels in this country, and the Muslims are right uh, on that particular subject. They're not right the way they treat their their women and the way they treat their children. But they're right when they see us. Uh, maybe, maybe they're judging us by themselves. I don't know, but people tend to do that. They do tend to do that. They right. do tend to do that, and I'm afraid they're not a whole lot better than we are. No. So they don't need to stick their nose up in the air. But we could stop some of this infidelity. Yeah. Stop this crime, this criminal stuff. Stop this spread of drugs and alcohol. And I'll tell you what. We failed in the prohibition thing. It failed. Okay, and what Prohibition sense? failed. Okay, sure, they let it back on. We should go back and try it over again, just like we should go back and try over the Civil War. The Civil War wasn't necessary, but we fought it anyway, and a lot of American boys died yeah. on both sides. So if, if, if our leadership had just been patient enough and wise enough, look, this the, the, the revolution for... Uh, for the uh, mechanized, mechanized world. Uh-huh. This is what started the uh, uh, sl- slavery thing. We needed workers, mm-hmm. and they needed them up north. So if they freed them, they could come up north and work for the industries and stuff, the Industrial Revolution I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the communists moved in here on the Industrial Revolution. Now, they've been creating all the problems they can. Yeah, And uh, we, needed, we needed those workers at, at that time. So t- but t- now they're letting the open the borders to just anybody. Yeah. This is insanity. Yeah. Because we've got the enemies coming in here. We got enough enemies right here now. We don't need more enemies. We need people to put this country back together again, be what it used to be. And I agree with Trump. We need to go back and be great again. Yeah, we really do. We don't need the kind of change that we got previous to that, where we got a $20 trillion debt in 10 years. Or eight years he was in office. Uh, 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 it was a ten trillion dollar debt when he took office, and now when he left, 
it, it doubled. Yeah, and we're spending, you know, the money, this, if we had the money, it'd be different, but we don't have the many money well, to I'll spend, tell you, you what, this, this, this minimum wage thing is out of control. Yeah. This is ridiculous. If you're going to slap a minimum wage on the poor people, then let's slap a maximum wage on the rich people. That's and if you want to level the playing field, let's start right there. And that's not going to fly. That, that, that goodbye democracy in the free enterprise system. If we keep going in this direction to raise the wages here and not, and not lower them, and they keep going up over here, I'll tell you what's behind that, my personal opinion. If we start carrying our money in a wheelbarrow instead of our back pocket, the government will be able to pay off his debt quicker. Yeah. Quicker. If, he, if they devaluate the dollar to dang near zero, then it'll be easy for them to pay off a $20 trillion debt. Yeah, because all true. I do is crank up the machines. Yeah, that's true. And put out instead of hundred dollar bills, put out million dollar bills. Yeah. Look how quick they could pay off the debt <laughs> if they could print million dollars of bills and send those bills all over the world like yeah. they're doing now. So, so speaking back to the millionaire, <laughs> the, the the wealth. I love your lesson that the Jewish gentleman gave you: buy and sell. Yep. What else I've has helped you create the wealth that you've and the success that you've done? Keep the positive in control. Keep the negative under control. Don't let things get out of control. How do you do that? How I do you did keep that the behind the microphone when I was an auctioneer. I had 100 people out there that I had to keep under control. And I did it for 20 years. And I did it with diplomacy, intelligence, psychology. Well, you know, yeah, you know people. You know what, how, to, how to treat them. I can read their them. face. I can remember their, what they'll bid. I don't know where they go with them. I know what to do with them. You just learn to be a person and a human being. They learn you, you learn them. I had a good clientele. I had a lot of buyers. They come from all over my state to, to come to my auction and sell and buy from me. Because I, I had a sense of humor. I'd humor them. You get a lot more money out of a person if you get them smiling and happy. You won't get money out of them for mad. They'll walk off. They'll leave. You gave it. Sounds like you gave them a great experience too. Yeah. Not only a good. They like my service. Sales. They 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 were sad when I when I retired. And they wondered if I'd get back in business again. Well, I might a little bit. I've got a storage business now, and I'm getting an awful lot of uh, oh abandoned merchandise. Sure, I bet yeah. you. Yeah, that like the, you know they have the 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 reality TV shows where they have the storage units that are abandoned and there's just a treasure chest yeah, in there. Yeah, I'll right? uh, I'll go around to the storage people and tell them I'm going to start up a storage auction and they'll flow, they'll fall in with me. Yeah, because I'll I'll do them a good job. And the thing is, uh, you you get a multitude of your sales only as good as the sale you put together. You put together a good sale, you'll have a good sale. If you put together a poor sale or bad sale, you'll have poor crowd you but if you put together a super good i've got a, a tons of antiques and, and goodies that i that i feed into the auctions and that's what they come for they come for something that's unusual or different or and, and the general public to come look if you could buy a mattress for ten dollars why would you go down and pay two hundred dollars for one Good point. If you want a bed frame or something? I'm living, sleeping right now in a $10 bed that I just, a steel bed. It's solid. It's old, but it's in good shape. Yeah, that stuff never and, wears and, out. And I bought it? it for $10, and I bought the mattress for $10, and that's what I'm sleeping on now. And I can afford to go out here and pay $200 or $500 for a bed. Like it's ridiculous. You're a, you're a frugal guy, too. That it's probably helps abs you create. Absolutely. <laughs> frugality. Uh, people say I'm greedy. My family says I'm greedy. No, I'm not greedy. I'm frugal. And I help people. I give people loans. I lose money trying to help people. I've lost lots of money. My, my family tells everybody I'm a thief. No, I'm not a thief. I, didn't, I, I can take you through my home and through my warehouse, and I can show everything you look at. I can tell you who I bought it from and how much I paid for it. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to take you through there and say, I stole this and I stole that. Yeah. No, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And I, do I don't have a record in, in, in downtown. Go to the police department say, look him up. Look O'Leary up. See, I don't have a single record on my, that I'm a thief or that I've ever cheated anybody or stole from anybody. I get a perfectly. And those people that are accusing me are thieves. Mm -hmm. They're judging me by themselves. 
I'm not the way they are. So yeah. that's the way people are. And yeah. you gotta you gotta let it run off you like a duck water runs off a duck. Yeah. You just gotta you can't absorb all that. Just don't don't pay no attention to it. They're they're just jealous and, and they're and they're hateful and mean spirited and you just let it go by. And they're not happy. Yeah. They're not happy at all. I wanna touch on some of this some of the information from your book before we wrap it up. Let's okay. see, we're at about forty five minutes uh in your book you talk about this idea i think it's great what you project reflects yes how'd you come up with that what is that absolutely well you look at a mirror just look at the mirror and if you stick your tongue out at that guy in the mirror that guy in the mirror is going to stick his tongue right back at you and and it's it's a normal normal thing in the boxing thing uh he's trying to knock your head off you're trying to knock his head off what they project you reflect it's it's called karma. The, the Middle East call it karma. It floats around in the air, and I believe in it. I, uh, I'm telling you, that it, it, if there's spirits, you know, there's there's people that say, my father, for instance, he's there's no such thing as a spirit. It doesn't exist. Spirits don't exist. God doesn't exist. Well, maybe you're right, but l- l- let me tell you something. If you do something, what's behind it? You can't see it. You can't spell it. You can't see it, feel it, or anything else. If somebody comes at you in a certain way, then you respond. You respond to what is approaching you. So you go after them the same as they're coming after you. And if somebody wants to hurt you or harm you, you don't want to harm them, but you at least put the brakes on them. You can say, don't go there. Don't, don't you do don't you dare do i tell people it's i had a man a big heavyweight guy tell me one day he says i'm gonna knock your head off he, was, his kids were vandalizing my property i went up to talk to him and he says to me he says uh i'm gonna take care of you and i said well i don't think you better try it but he's heavyweight now i'm lightweight at that time i was like still skinny you know anyway good shape but he tried me. He threw a girl's punch at me, big old overheaded right. Well, I just went down to bend my knees. I could bend them then. I can't only bend them now. Yeah. But I just went down on my knees and just, just that, that left hook of mine. I'm a left-hander. I fight in the right-handed position. And he just threw that big old right hand, and I just went under it and, and just buried my left fist right in his belly. Uh-huh. And he went, ooh. Well, what he projected, I reflected. But he didn't connect, and I did. Yeah. Because he didn't have the experience I had. He was a postman in the neighborhood. One day, he was a big guy, but he hadn't boxed like you had. No. One day he come by, and I had just been put in the hospital by two big guys, uh, bad people. They were bar people. Yeah. And they put me in the hospital. They battered me. Well, the big guy held me, up, held me, and the little one battered me with a pipe. Oh, you're kidding. He, the, in a street type in fight? Or? Yeah, well, it was in my shop. And I sued them and lost. They they were drug people. They were dealing drugs. They bought out the city. They bought out the whole system. And they they, they cleaned my plow. Wow. And, and I was all bloody and all messed up, but they didn't have a scratch on them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, loved, I love your, the idea with the project and reflect, and I love that. And before we wrap up, I want you to touch on this last idea. Define love and hate for us. My father come up with a good one. He says love was ignorant, weak, narrow-minded, and over-emotional. That's love what, what love was? That's what my father said love was. And I wish so much that I could say it back to my father now. I couldn't say it then. I didn't know then. I didn't have the background. I didn't have the experience. I would say to my father, what in the name of common sense do you think hate is? He was so hateful. He hated everything and everybody. He hated the federal government after the government gave him a job to feed his children. And he went around on his job and give the Bolshevik salute to all his buddies that he talked into going communist. And he was hateful from one end to the other on every issue, especially the government. He hated and he hated everything and everybody. What do you think hate is? It is ignorant, it is weak, it is narrow-minded, and it is over-emotional. 
That's what hate is. So is jealousy. And he was the most jealous man. He was so jealous of me. He would take things that I'd do and brag around the people that he thought of it, and he did it. You're kidding. He did it. He was a liar. He was a cheat. He was a sneak, and he was a thief, and a philanderer, and an infidel. My own father, mm -hmm. and I loved him. I can't help it. I used to try to shave him and help him. I gave him electric razor so he could shave himself a lot easier. Mm -hmm. I used to send him uh, winged cigarettes. He loved winged cigarettes. That was his cigarette, wings. And I would find out a place to buy them, and every year I would send him a carton of winged cigarettes. And he never bought me anything but he a bugle. He was a trumpet player, and he bought me a bugle. And he got me started on the trumpet. So I was a trumpet player in high school. Too. Yeah. So, he, so I love the definition. So, so love, define love again. For, hey, we got hate. Uh, we define the, the terms of love again one more time. Love is ignorant, weak, narrow-minded, and over-emotional. Love is sacred. That's my version of love. It is sacred. And we have destroyed the definition of love through the, inter, through the advertising administration. They love everything. They love shoes. They love boots. They love mattresses. They yeah, love waters pillows. Down, doesn't everything it? you could think of, they hang love on it. And that just kills the definition of love. That's not love. You don't love material things. Love is spiritual and sacred. And that's the only time you should use it. I use the word like. More I than like love. The, I like the word. Do you reserve the word, the word like. love for yeah. the special things, it sounds and like. And like the auctioneer uh, business, my chest is just about ready to give up. Let's do it. Let's call it. Okay. Yep. Mike, I appreciate you coming by and sharing your story. I loved every minute of it. And uh, until next time, all the best, health, wealth, and success. Well, I'll think up of something and we'll, we'll run with it. Next time, we'll, we'll do it. Help the principal assembly. That's what I'm going to go after. Absolutely. Okay, thank you. Thank you, much. Mike. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. <laughs>